Hello, my name's Sean Schaefer and welcome to The Wealth Show from CityWire. The UK robo-advice market has been hitting the headlines again due to the recent JP Morgan Chase deal to buy Nutmeg. So what does this mean for Nutmeg's rival Wealthify? Like other robos in the market, Wealthify has yet to turn a profit since launching in 2016. In its results for 2020, it recorded a loss of £5.3 million, up from a £4.8 million loss the year before. I spoke with Chief Executive Andy Russell, who joined last year from parent company Aviva. He shared the firm's growth plans and whether it's possible to make money from customers investing small amounts. We took over the CEO role from Richard Theo last year. Um, and what changes have you made since taking the job? Uh, there's, a, there's a few changes I've made, but I think start off with the, the key things that I've, I've, I've made sure we stay the same. It was a um, kind of walked into a very strong, capable team, very purpose-led team with a very strong proposition offering um, that, that kind of kind of delights customers with its uh, simplicity um, um, and, and, and well-designed process. So I, I, it was critical that we kind of capture and, and nurture those and, and make sure we kind of enhance them as we go. Um, so I, I walked into a really strong uh, position, to be honest. I think the other thing um, uh, that was clear is it was also quite a young company. Um, and it, it was uh, it, it was still in startup mode, really. Um, and and I, I think one of the key things is uh, kind of helping coming in from Aviva is I can help bring that structure around it that turns it from a from a startup to a scale up. So put putting some kind of architecture uh, around the governance, um, kind of linking in um, with with kind of some um, uh, the, the the overall uh, kind of. Uh, behavioural and, and incentivization structure to, to our objectives, putting some clear objectives um, behind what we're doing. It's nothing earth shattering. I certainly haven't changed d- direction. Um, just just put kind of try to mature the, mo- the the kind of strong model that was already there. Really. And and what about how the Aviva deal has changed Wealthify? You sort of alluded to that already, but obviously you you've worked at Aviva for eleven years before taking the job, and and you know is is. The Wealthify brand going to go more towards the Aviva brand? Is it going to change? No, no, it's not going to change. I think uh, Aviva are are very cognizant of the strength of the Wealthify brand, and and Wealthify attract different customers to Aviva as well. You know, we're very aware of that, um, which is one of the reasons why um, uh, Aviva purchased Wealthify in the first place. It it was to kind of uh, access and learn from that that different customer base, um, and then learn from the um, agility. Uh, and pace of Wealthify. And I think that that's kind of where we've ended up, really. We, we're in a, a bit of best of both situations. We've got the stability and security of of that Aviva um, uh, parentage, um, but being we, we continue to be run independently and autonomously, and that means we can continue with our pace and agility. Um, you know, we've got our own brand, our own customers, our own journey, our own culture, and that, that's kind of here to stay. And looking from your position, obviously, having worked at a much larger financial institution, have you found it difficult to sort of slot into what you've said as sort of going from a startup to a scale-up company? It could have been quite difficult because of COVID. So I've, I sit here over 12 months on and I've still not met anybody from my team because um, they're all Cardiff-based and, and, and I'm, and I'm a, a Yorkshireman. Um, so it could have been quite difficult uh, coming into the company, but the, the guys, the team I've got there are, are awesome. They're, it's a really strong team. Uh, they've welcomed me in. Um, we spent quite a bit of time 
refreshing our purpose as a company. Uh, we're a very purpose-led group of people. So I kind of made sure we articulated that clearly uh, so that we could get kind of get behind it as a company, feeding that through into a vision and a strategy um, and uh, kind of going through that that purpose. And that was kind of part of the maturity, as I mentioned earlier on, going through that process has really helped us bond as a team um and actually being being remote has you know it'd have been a lot better to be able to be be alongside the guys when we were doing that but uh, we've coped coped admir- admirably through um through covid um and do not done a hell of a lot in the last year to um uh, together as a team and so I, d- I don't think we've had uh you know it's been it's been hard work it's been a lot of fun and hard work but i don't uh, i'm not sat here thinking uh, anything's been uh, difficult uh, since coming in from Aviva. It's been it's been a great experience so far, and we're doing we're doing great as a business. Looking at your latest results up on Companies House, you made a, a loss of five point three million pounds last year, and that was up from four point eight million in two thousand and nineteen. You know, at what point will the business become profitable? Yeah, so we I mean we are a growing company, and the the business model um, for any platform business is that. Um, you kind of you you spend on business acquisition, uh, and then the business grows over time, and you become profitable when your your revenue from the uh, annual management charges exceeds your two things: the new business costs, so the costs it takes to bring new people in, and your existing business cost base. And we're we're a, um, a, a comparatively small but growing company at the moment, so our focus is on is on growth and and that new business cost. So we are we are. As with everybody else in our industry, actually in the robo advice uh, industry, we are uh, we are loss making, and, and as we as we grow, um, that that kind of uh, it's going to increase our our acquisition costs, um, but also as we grow, our revenue starts to increase as well. So I think we're 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 focusing on our growth at the moment. We're doubling about every six to nine months, which I think is awesome. Um, and uh, you know we clearly have projections uh, for, for for our company, but they're they're um, uh, commercially sensitive. So I, I kind of can't give too much details around those. But kind of dub- doubling every six to nine months, I think, is um, a, a real strong uh, growth message to be delivering as a company. I wanted to pick up on perhaps your ma- your most major competitor, Nutmeg. Obviously. That's got 140,000 clients at the moment, v your sort of circa 50,000. Um, but I mean, they've been constantly criticised for not turning a profit as well. You know, how, how many clients do you think you need to become profitable as a, as a digital wealth manager? Kind of depends on the robo, really. Depends on the on the specific company. So um, I kind of go back to what I just said in the last question around the mix between revenue and, and cost. The, the revenue is driven by your product mix. So some products will have higher, higher average pot sizes um, than others. Depends on what fees you charge. We, we are we, we charge a cheaper fee than um, uh, the nutmeg. It depends how long you hold on to those customers as well. Uh, and so, so all that feeds into your revenue, um, your, your income side. And then on your cost side, um, your, your kind of cost of new business acquisition um, uh, is, is a quite important factor for a growing market. And then and then how, how efficient your back um, book management is and uh, we've got a very strong um, a market leading um kind of co- cost per acquisition we, we reckon we're about half the price of, of, of our peers um and uh we, we kind of run a, a, a quite a, a different cost strategy on our on our on our new business and existing business um than our peers as well um so we, we i mean we, we're we're all following a similar path they're similar business models you you keep growing you need to grow as a platform business until you break even um 
And I think you look at other historical um, examples, it tends to be in the four to six billion pound range. You know, you look at other people that's been in, 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 there term, in the past. In terms of AUM, is that what you're... Yeah, indeed. Yeah. And and, and that, the historical examples are probably non-digital versions. So you'd, you'd hope you can kind of uh, improve on that a little bit. But, you know, we've got a lot of growing to do before we can start talking about uh, talking about profit. And we're, we're focusing on our on our growth. We're focusing on our on our new purpose. We're focusing on um, uh, wearing our customers um, and, and continue to improve what we do to, to attract more customers. So what's your, your AUM figure now? Uh, that's another one that's sens- uh, commercially sensitive, I'm afraid. I can't, uh, uh, I can't divulge that. Okay, cool. And, and you mentioned that sort of range of sort of four to six billion. Um, and, you know, Nutmeg's on this three and a half billion stage at the moment and, and it's still is sort of trailing. So... I, I'm assuming you've got, as you said, quite a way to go before you you can become profitable. Then, yeah, well, I mean, we are um, uh, 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 Nutmeg are a lot larger company than we are. Um, but as as I said, we we do have a different cost. We do be, we believe we have a different cost strategy to our to our peers as well. So, you know, I'd like I'd like to be sat here in a fair few years, um, being able to say we did things better and quicker than our peers. But until we until we get there. Uh, I, 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 you know, there's a lot of things that can happen in the interim. Um, you know, the markets, something like COVID comes along and it completely sideswipes all your financial plans. So at the moment, we're focusing on um, on our growth. Um, as I said, we're, we're doubling every six to nine months. We need to, that, that's going to get harder as we go because it's harder to double the bigger you are. Um, so we're focusing on that. And we do that by um, kind of continuing to, to, to get our customers um, as bigger advocates of us as we can. And just to clarify, sort of, what was the the, the reasoning be, behind the the greater loss in 2020 as opposed to 2019? Anyway, it's, it's a similar story to kind of nutmegs and all of, all the players really. When when you're pushing for growth, the, the the two elements of your cost base are new business acquisition and uh, existing business costs. Um, how, how much it costs to run your existing business, and the the existing business ones will slightly increase as you grow, but that's a, a relatively kind of fixed ish base. So your losses are largely driven by how much you're growing. Um, that's what's kind of driven nutmegs uh, over the last few years. That's what's driven our increase uh, in uh, loss between um, uh, 19 and 20. Another thing in the results was there was a mention of a capital injection from Aviva. Um, I wondered if you could tell me, you know, how much that's going to be and, and, you know, what you're trying to, to get out of that. Well, the, again, the, the the specific figure of capital injections kind of links to profit, and there's lots of commercially sensitive stuff in there. So there's some elements I can't I can't divulge. I'm afraid, um, but the purpose of them is to to fund our growth. Um, Aviva are fully supportive of us achieving our strategic ambitions um, to be the most uh, kind of recommended profitable digital investment manager, um, and that takes. Uh, capital to fund new business acquisitions, as I said in the previous question, um, and uh, they, they fully support us. That we've got a very um, simple, elegant, um, well-designed customer um, journey. Um, lots of new people to investments are kind of looking at that and and tipping their toe in the market, um, and uh, and that's helping the wider. Um, uh, rub, uh, the uh, investment markets grow. We're attracting more savers into the world of investments as we can. So kind of our wider strategy of growth, our purpose-driven strategy is 
to inspire anyone to build their future wealth and help us bring as many savers into the world as investors as we can requires uh, capital support until we get large enough for our income to cover our costs. And, that, and that's what Aviva are supporting with their capital injections. Now, obviously, the, the big story in the robo-advice world recently has been nutmeg being bought up by JP Morgan Chase. Yeah, interesting. It, it is. Interesting. Now, are you concerned that that will now dominate the robo-advice market with having this sort of US juggernaut coming into the UK, UK robo-advice market? Well, I mean, it, the robo-market started in the US uh, originally, so they've, they've been there for a while anyway. But, and I think the deal just shows um, how interesting and how good the current UK market is um, uh, that the existing players have driven that, that other people are, are showing such interest in it. It's not just the US that are interested in You can see from Pension B's float um, uh, uh, earlier on in the year that the, the wider UK market um, is interested in it as well. It's a, it's a growing market that's, um, that's serving uh, a growing need for people uh, that want a, a simpler, um, more affordable um, uh, way to access investments. I think um, it's going to be interesting to see what JPM chases or, or Nutmeg strategy is going to be. Um, I think you, you look at what, who else JPM's bought. They, they bought a digital bank to sit alongside, uh, for Nutmeg to sit alongside. I think uh, a couple of days ago, they announced they bought OpenVest as well, which is an ESG portfolio. So I think you know JPM are clearly setting up a, a kind of connected set of companies there that are playing strongly in the digital space. Um, and it's going to be fascinating to see how they how they line them up. I think Nutmeg have historically aimed at a slightly higher affluence and uh, at the higher end of the affluence market than than we potentially have. We're kind of bringing savers into the world of investments, and 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 people uh, savers come into in the world of investments like to dip their toe in. Um, the market first to test the product set and being kind of accessible and, and affordable to be able to offer that from as little as a pound means that we can kind of play in that in that lower end whereas i, th I think uh, meg and some of the other players have, have typically kind of pushed towards the topper end and i think jpm probably appeal more to the topper end as well so I, 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 it'd be interesting to see how they shape themselves up but um i kind of my, my initial reaction would be it's uh, just a lot more of the same competition from nutmeg which is you know, a good strong player, a uh, good digital journey, but they're, they're pay playing at a slightly different part of the affluence market than we are. Sure. And, and you mentioned that playing to a different part of the affluence market, you say investing from as little as a pound. You know, yep. that must be very difficult to make money on. Well, it, it kind of comes back to the point I made early on around um, revenue versus costs. If, um, if you've automated as much as you can on your back office, then every pound you get in just adds to your revenue. Um, and we kind of have, over the years, iterated our proposition, iterated our operating model. Um, and, you know, there's still things we need to improve on and do better on. But we've got um, we've done a hell of a good job so far. And that means that we can afford to, to play in that low, uh, low market. And the good thing about um, the, the, the guys at the lower end of the market is they dip their toe in the uh, in, uh, into investments and then and then start to grow their confidence and invest more. Um, so it is. It's. Uh, uh, it, it's a. We have higher, proportionately higher customer base, but as I've said, our, our, the, the growth numbers I quoted about doubling every six to nine months. That's AUM. That's assets under admin, uh, under management. I mean, that's interesting. Are you seeing the growth more from existing com um, customers who are, as you're saying, maybe getting a bit more confident and sort of chucking more money onto the platform, or is it from new clients coming onto the platform? It's both. 
um, short, short answers. It's both. The, the, the more customers you have on the platform, then the more they exist in business can kind of contribute more. Um, but then we're also getting lots of um, new customers into the platform as well, both um, people who are trying Wealthify for the first time and also people who are trying investing for the first time. Um, and so it is a good, it's a good, uh, healthy mixture of both. And how are you going to differentiate Wealthify um, in, com- in comparison to your competitors in terms of what, what you're offering in terms of investment capabilities? I think as an industry, we've differentiated ourselves from the from the kind of historic players anyway. But I think where Wealthify um, aim to differentiate is um, we, we've got we 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 believe that we're more accessible and affordable than a lot of our competitors. You can invest from us from as little as a pound. We have the lowest uh, investment fees. Uh, for the lower pot sizes as well, it's really it's a really accessible, affordable um, way to for, for people who are new to invest in. We've kind of got a um, a culture within the team uh, where they kind of thrive on feedback as well from our customers. So we're continually talking to our, communicating with our customers, finding out what works well and doing more of it, finding out uh, what could be improved, um, and then developing on that. And we have some great kind of customer feedback loops and speed of turnaround from there. And so our customers are. Are, are our biggest advocates and help us sellers in the market, but also our biggest source of information to help us uh, improve. And then kind of lastly, we, we, we're a very purpose-driven bunch as well. You know, a good example of that is on our ESG product. Um, we, we're, we're, I think we're the only actively managed uh, ESG product. We've got the strictest exclusions criteria um, and, and we offer kind of enhanced due diligence around that because as a purpose-driven Company, that's the right thing to do from an ESG uh, point of view compared to the to the to the rest of the uh, the funds. And I think as we explore our purpose more as a company, um, you kind of see similar things and themes come out like that in, in in future future quarters and future years. Excellent. Well, Andy, thank you so much for joining me. Okay, thank you for your time. <laughs>